transitions are exhausting. So many things change, you end up feeling lost. You can find yourself questioning your relevance and even your worth. Whether you're gaining a new surname or going to a new situation, there are two things I want you to know. First, your roles in life will change, but your purpose is eternal. Second, God has a plan for your life and the enemy has a plot against that plan. I'm Sherry Fletcher, and this is Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast for those in a season of transition. And I'm so glad you're here. Stick around and let's work on a spiritual game plan together. Today, I will be speaking with Rachel Adams. Rachel is an author, speaker, writer, and teacher, and the host of the Love Offering Podcast. She and her husband, Brian, run a family business and a farm in Kentucky with their two children and two doodle dogs. And she will tell you that she is a real Southern mama. Rachel began to find fulfillment, significance, and purpose, not because her circumstances changed, but because her heart did. So she started a ministry to help other women realize their God-given purpose and significance as well. Today, we'll be talking about her devotional, A Little Goes a Long Ways, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We'll be sharing personal stories of how God values each deed, as well as practical actions that make a lasting impact and how your contributions matter. I'm so excited to welcome Rachel Adams onto my show today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. So I got to meet you back in 2021, and it was in Texas at the Spark Convention, and we had a great time talking, and I was excited to learn all about your ministry, and so I'm asking you on today to bless my guests, and we're going to just have you share a little bit about yourself so that you can um, tell us what's going on in your life and what you guys do for fun during the holidays. We're coming into the fall, and pretty soon will be the holiday season, so Give us a little glimpse into what's going on in your family and in your life. Yeah, well, this this past year, we have been building a house. So we have lived in an RV and a barn. And so now we are finally in our home and are loving it and are really excited to spend the holidays in it. And um, so that's been the biggest thing I think that's happened this year, aside from uh, me releasing the book that we're going to be talking about today. So that is such an answered prayer and a dream come true, one that I'm still pinching myself over. And um, other than that, I, I'm, a, I'm a wife and a mom of two, uh, Will and Kate. They're both in middle school this year. So that's been a big transition for us as well. And uh, in, in October, we... Every fall, I say it's not fall yet until we go to our local apple orchard and I get my caramel apple and my apple cider and, you know, all the apple pies and all the things. And so that's one of my favorite kind of family traditions that we we do. And then my mom has taught me how to make applesauce. And um, of course, we pick up our pumpkins and our mums at that same apple orchard. And so I, I look forward to decorating my house. Um, for for fall. And then of course, my son plays football. And so that's our other, you know, every, we love going to football games and bundling up here in Kentucky and um, just cheering on 
our local teams. We're, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm a small town Kentucky girl. And so we do all the kind of small town Kentucky things. Yeah. I really love the fall. Something about it is just cozy and warm. Cozy, the scarfs and the toboggans. And, you know, now that you're in Tennessee, you get, you get to experience all those things from coming from Seattle. Um, like, to, I don't know, did you have all four seasons there? Like we do, you do now in Tennessee? Yes, we did. Um, our, we didn't, our falls were different, but they're, they're just vibrant out here in Tennessee, but they were beautiful in Seattle as well. We did. Okay. You use the word toboggan. You're going to have to clarify a toboggan out here because it's different for us in the West. So what you, do you call it? Like a beanie or something? Yes. We call it beanies. You call it beanies. And, okay. okay. In the West, a toboggan is a sled. <laughs> right. So I just mean like a little knit hat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that cracks me up because I'm learning all the new verbiage. But oh, when you I'll said toboggan, you. I was like, oh, she's going to have to clarify that for some of my friends because mm-hmm. they're going, wait, a toboggan in the fall? What? That's okay. Funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Kentucky lingo, the South lingo. I'll, I'll catch up on all of it. <laughs> yes. I'm learning a lot. Um, but one of the first things I learned when I moved out here, um, I went and got my hair done at, and someone asked me if I got my hair did. Oh, and so uh-huh. I, I saw, I was like, what? And they said uh-huh. that you, you got, oh, it looks like you got your hair did. <laughs> I had to sit and think about it. I did not understand, but now I'm learning. So yes, I wanted to clarify, clarify toboggan. So <laughs> got that. Glad you did. <laughs> yes. So um, I have a question and that is looking back on your life. How far back can you look and see the very purpose that you're living out today and who you've always been? I so love this question. And I actually was just talking to my daughter about it yesterday. She was home sick from school and we were talking about some of the things that um, actually, and it's so sweet and I'm so proud of her because she was talking about how in line um, that a lot of, there's this one little boy that nobody wants to stand beside. And she said, mom, it just breaks my heart. And she said, so I always choose to stand beside him. Um, because she said literally kids move to the back of the line because they don't want to be around this kid and so it made me so proud of her and I said you know okay I I feel like this is one of your strong suits is that um, God has given you a sensitivity for the least of these Mm -hmm. Um, because in fact even her her um, teachers will use her kind of as a carrot as a reward for some of the younger students Um, Uh, because for whatever reason, they are drawn to her. And I just love that about her. And so we just had this conversation yesterday. And so as I'm thinking about how God has done that in my own life, he's given me a sensitivity too. I used to think it was a a weakness because people would say, oh, Rachel, you're you're too sensitive. You cry all the time, (laughs) you know, you overreact. And now I see it as, as one of God's greatest gifts to me because I am sensitive to the feelings and the needs of other people. And I feel like I can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And I'm so thankful he created me in that way. Um, so that's kind of on a, maybe a spiritual level. I, I sense that, but then to answer your question on more of a practical, emotional level, you know, as a little girl, I dreamed about, you know, being a singer, which is hysterical because I can't sing. I have, I can't even like clap to the right beat, but, um, I, or I wanted to be an actress or I wanted to, you know, kind of some, somehow be on a stage on some level. And then fast forward into college, I really wanted to be Katie Couric from the today show. I admired her so much and I, I really wanted to be in broadcast journalism. 
And so in college, I went for a major in broadcasting and my final exam, my freshman year was to give a persuasive speech in front of the class. And I remember in that moment, just flunking terribly. My armpits were sweaty. I was a nervous wreck. I just, I stumbled all over my words. It was, it was terrible. And after that class, I dropped that major and I just said, you know what, I I can't do this. This is obviously not for me. And so I switched to a business major and that's what I graduated with. And here I am now, Sherry, (laughs) talking with a microphone, um, speaking and writing as a ministry. And, um, And so what I thought that I wasn't qualified for, God has now used and has called me to, I feel like. And what's so interesting about that is that it's not operating in my strength at all, that I really genuinely need him because I feel so weak in this area, but I feel like he's set me up in that way. Because if I was, I feel like operating in such a strength, then I wouldn't need him at all. But I think he has me in this place because I feel so weak and so desperate and so dependent on him to do what I need to do on a daily basis. And so I pray honestly that he keeps me in that space, mm-hmm. that he keeps me dependent on him to to continue on in, in this call of podcasting and writing and, and speaking. Absolutely. I love how he connected uh, your two passions and your, your two sensitivities, um, your sensitivity, uh, your awareness of people not feeling significant mm-hmm. and your passion for speaking. So now you're speaking and helping women find their significance. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just like watching how God weaves and connects and I just yeah. love that question. So yes, we are going to be talking about your devotional. It's coming out a little goes a long way and that's a 52 days to a significant life. And we could probably, you know, take this into a 52 part podcast series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so where has your own battle with significance played a part in writing this devotional? Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure you find this as well, that that basically I feel like I wrote this for me, that God has had me on this journey. And, you know, I, I'm, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm a small town Kentucky girl, I'm a small town, uh, small little life, I'm small family, you know, I on a daily basis, I'm, you know, walking the dogs and doing laundry and dishes and writing behind the scenes and go attending ball games and sitting in the pews at my church. And a a lot of days I can kind of look back and say, well, okay, God, how did you use me? (laughs) Like, did I make any difference at all? Because my life feels very small and, you know, I can compare myself to the, the people that I see on TV or in media or their other podcasts or online or whatever, and think, gosh, man, they're living a significant life, but a little old me here in Kentucky, I'm not doing a whole lot. And so I, I, I felt that way, but then I, I, I pulled my podcast listeners to think, okay, if I'm feeling this way, are they feeling this way as well? And I found that they were. And so I actually asked them this question on a scale of one to 10, how much do you think that your life matters? And the average answer was a three that they felt because one was, you know, not at all. And 10 was, they feel like their life does. And they answered a three. And then I followed up that question with, 
do you feel like your contributions count? And 90%, no, sorry, 80% said that they didn't feel like their contributions mattered. And so I thought, oh, it's not just me that, that women in general are, and maybe men too, but my audience is mostly women are feeling this way. Like we, and as Christians, we know we have value. We know we have significance or we should, but for whatever reason, we don't feel like that that is um, translating into our very own everyday mundane lives, because I think we just feel so ordinary. And so I want women to start to believe that. God is using everything, you know, back to your question before, like he's preparing us every, like our whole lives are his training ground. You know, we see that all throughout the Bible. And and I'm thinking of Moses right now, how he was born into an Egyptian family. He was then um, in the desert, you know, just being a shepherd and, and, and learning how to live in the desert. And then God brings him back to Egypt, the place that he left to then he prepared him to then go and, and, and help the Israelites for 40 years in the desert again. Like he, he is constantly preparing us and he's not going to waste anything we do. So every conversation, every prayer, every meal shared, every act of bravery, every act of belief, like God is going to use it all. And I want women to stop doubting that he does. I love that. I think we just, that's what the enemy wants us to do is doubt constantly. Mm -hmm. Just doubt what Mm -hmm. we're doing even matters. I love that. And on the front of the cover, there's this gold speck. And I just, it's so pretty. It's simple, but it's just so pretty. And uh, the big visual is this word long. Mm. And what is the meaning behind that? Uh, Thank you. I actually, I really love the cover as well. And it was inspired by, in Genesis, when God first created us, he created us from dust and he created us from something simple and small but he, he breathes life into us. And so, although we may feel small and, and at the end of the day, I mean, we, we are, our lives are but a mist. They are a vapor. And, you know, even I'm thinking about Abraham, it's like, he's going to create descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So like there is an element that we, that we are small in the big scheme of things, but God takes every ounce, every single person in every aspect of our lives and like the the collectiveness of that, when he, the domino effect of that, um, it's so beautiful. And I actually had a friend that looked at that word long on the cover and I'll never look at it again differently. She said, you know what it reminds me of, Rachel? She said, it reminds me of the streets of gold, mm-hmm. that he's taking us from Genesis to Revelation. He's going to use all those little pieces and he's going to, and he's going to combine it. And we're all going to be walking together on the streets of gold. And so that's kind of what that cover means to me. Um, and that I pray that it communicates to, to everyone that sees it. Ooh, I do like that. That is beautiful. Yeah, I like that. How do you see this concept throughout the Bible in the lives of men and women who did something big with just the little that they were given? This was so exciting because Sherry, I feel like I could have written 365 (laughs) devotions rather than 52 because I saw it all throughout the Bible. And so I was trying to think when I knew you were going to ask this question, who I would like to focus on, because, you know, we see it 
there were so many people that felt like, well, for example, David, he was the youngest of his clan and like one of the least likely, but God chose him. Then he defeated Goliath, this giant with a small stone, you know, sling and a stone. And he ended up king, but he was kind of the least in his family. But uh, today I'd like to highlight, I think, Gideon, because he was from a small clan mm. as well in Manasseh, and he didn't feel worthy. He was just threshing, you know, he was threshing wheat when God came to him. He was just doing the ordinary, like we so often feel like we're doing. But one of the parts of his story that I love so much is um, when he was going to go into battle, that God had given a an army of 32,000, but he dwindled it to 300. And so God, all this, he's always using these small numbers, these small groups. And I even think about Jesus, although he ministered to groups of thousands, he always returned to his 12. And then when Jesus died and was resurrected, and then he, he called the, um, the disciples and the apostles to then carry out his message to the ends of the earth, he used a very small number. He used those 12 to then take that message from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so that's our call now too, that God is going to use um, the smallness of our family units, uh, the smallness of our small groups at church, our churches. He's going to use us or, uh, to take his message to the ends of the earth. And so it's not necessarily, I think what I want to communicate is it's not necessarily the size of us or the size of our ministries or the size of our surroundings or who, who we're ministering to, it really is about the size of and the magnitude of the one, meaning God, who is in us. Mm, I love that. I, one of my favorite verses is in 1 John 4, and greater is he that is in me. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. always loved that yeah. verse. Yeah. So I, I've paid attention to how we talk to kids as they grow, because you know, we start talking to our kids at a very small age because we ask them, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And then as they start to grow and they're in school, we start saying, so what are you taking and what do you want to do? And then when they're done with school and they're adults, then we start asking them in in casual settings. So what do you do? So it's kind of like we've trained kids and, and adults that what we do is who we're going to be. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of a thought process I thought of. Beyond what we do, you want readers to realize their inherent value simply because of who they are. Talk to us about this intrinsic significance. I love how you stated all of that because it makes so much sense to me. And it's something that I fall prey to very often. I I joke that I'm kind of this gold star girl because, you know, especially going back to my childhood, give me a chart, like a chore chart and some gold stars and I will get it done. You know, I'm so reward driven and I love even today, you know, being able to make a list and crossing things off the list. And even if I've already accomplished something that wasn't on the list, I'll write it on the list, just to have the gratification to cross it off, you know? So I'm all about, and even, you know, when my husband comes home from work, he'll say, well, what did, what did you do? What did you do today? Or how, how was your day? And I'll start to just, you know, tick off all the things that I 
did that I accomplished. And so all that to say, this is, is one of my weaknesses for sure. And I have to catch myself as far as my parenting, not to just be this performance mindset parenting, but more of a, of a love-based mindset parenting. And that's how God parents us. I think about when he first created Adam and Eve, he said they were very good before they had done anything. And, you know, and even I think about Jesus, when Jesus was baptized, um, and I think it's in Matthew uh, chapter four, possibly when he was baptized and God looks down on him and he says, this is my son with whom I'm very well pleased. And in this chapter, it's before Jesus had even started his ministry. He hadn't really officially done any miracles or done any you know, he had obviously, he's Jesus. He had done some things, but um, he hadn't officially started his ministry, but God was already pleased with him. And so I, and I even think about my relationship with God, you know, do I love God just for simply who he is or what he will do for me? And I think about God. I mean, that's the reality is, is he loves me just because he created me, not because of anything I can do for him, because Jesus already did everything on the cross. We don't have to do anything to earn his love or strive for that. And so that's the message I want to communicate to women that he loves you just for who you are. You already are significant because he made you in his image and he's significant. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's why my favorite verse, I mean, it's hard to say what your favorite verse yeah, is, yeah. but you know, Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. Well, Ephesians 2.10, you're a masterpiece. Mm. I don't know of anyone that creates a masterpiece and expects the masterpiece to do anything for them. They just mm-hmm. create it. And then they, a lot of times they just stare at it. Yeah, <laughs> it you know, it's, it's a masterpiece. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't even have to find out. It, so it's, it's like no one creates a masterpiece and then expects the masterpiece to figure out why it was created. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love to mentor the first time I met you, we just, you know, we're talking and, and about that. And I also love our shared passion and helping people understand that their purpose in life is not something that they have to go looking for. It's not even really something that to be found because it's, it's something God created us to do. And our purpose is to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Everyone, your purpose is to glorify God. And my purpose is to glorify God with our calling and our calling is different. Our calling will be different in how we glorify God. Um, and we live in this instant gratification society. So instant likes telling us that what we've done or who we are is significant enough. Um, is it going to go viral? Um, did you like it? Did I like it? Did someone like it? And so if if our calling isn't instantly vis- you know, liked or um you know, going social, then people are like, well, I'm not good enough. But yet, like you mentioned earlier, it's for the least of these, it's for the small. So since nothing is too insignificant for the savior of the world, why do we regularly consider bigger to be better? Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing my research for this devotional, you know, if we think about the life of Jesus, he came to Bethlehem, which was a tiny town. He came in a barn as a baby. And so you talk about humble beginnings and and he was a carpenter with his dad, his earthly father. And then you think about when you, when you watch Jesus's ministry while he was here on earth, um, he, he noticed little things like the hairs on her head and the flowers in the field and the birds in the air. 
he noticed little things like the tax collector in the tree or the touch of a garment. Uh, he, he served in little ways like um, holding children and serving fish and, or feeding, you know, eating fish and washing feet. And then he rewarded little things like the leopard who said, thank you, or the widow that gave two coins or the, um, the woman who washed his feet with her hair. And so I think about the way that he lived his life. And so the things, the little things he rewarded and the ways he served and the ways, the things that he noticed. And I think, well, if that was significant for the savior, then it should be significant for me. And, but I think what gets in our way, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, when we talk about thinking bigger is better, I think it's, I think it's the devil that tries to get us off track. And you're the one that mentioned that. And I wholeheartedly agree because if you even look back at Genesis at the beginning of time, Eve was in the garden and she had everything she could have ever wanted. She had perfection, but she reached for and wanted something more, something she felt like she didn't have some, the apple that seemed better. And so I feel like that that's the constant battle, but that we're, we're keeping our eyes on the things that maybe we think we don't have that rather than the things that we already do. And we're keeping our eyes on the things other people are doing and comparing to what they are doing and, and not really taking notice about the ways that God is already using our lives. So it, the bigger seems shiny and big can be good. I don't want to demonize big lives, you know, like I'm thinking about um, Billy Graham. I read an article from him that said, you know, he was a, he was an evangelist. He, he led thousands of people to salvation, but there was a quote from him that I read that he said he would have accomplished more in his life if he would have spent more time in the word and on his knees rather than on a stage. And I thought that was so insightful, but yet God used him in such a mighty big way. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. But I also think about people like my husband's grandmother who sits in a nursing home with her husband who has Alzheimer's and who's putting on his socks and feeding his meals and holding his hand and watching TV. And I have to think that God looks at both of those people with love and admiration and value, both mm -hmm. of those lives, the Franklin Grahams and the um, Anne Christophers of the world. And he's using them both. They're both in different seasons, different ways. Their callings are different, but God is using them both in mighty ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the downside of comparison mm -hmm. is, you know, we can't compare and say, okay, well, Franklin Graham is doing much more kingdom work than I am. Um, it's just a different calling. And his calling is his calling to glorify God is a different calling than your grandmother's calling and loving and spreading because people in the nursing home and that's my husband's business are she's witnessing she's witnessing to more people than she knows that are watching her come in and love on her husband I mean what a testimony to marriage to someone in there that she has no idea is watching her. So I just love that picture of you know, what she's doing. It makes me think of Sherry is the parable of the five talents. You know, he, he, Jesus tells about how one person was given five talents and they invested and gotten five more. 
Um, the one person was gave, given two talents and he invested and got two more. And the person that had one just buried it. Yes. And, you know, so it doesn't really matter how much God has given us. The The key is, is how are we using what he's given us? Are we stewarding what he has given us and entrusted to us? Well, that's when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not about how much is how we've used what he's given us that matters. You know, are we going to invest and use our time and our talents and our treasures and all the gifts and abilities he's given us with wherever we are with the people that we're surrounded with? Are we going to use those things to further his kingdom and and for his glory? Yeah. I love that. So um, I am an Enneagram seven. And when I have an idea, it's usually around two or three in the morning and I have to get up and I write it down. But the bad thing is, is I want to implement it like right now. And yet in this devotion, you keep reminding us that we can't despise the small beginnings. Like it's okay to write these things down and to ask God to, you know, help me work these things through and be a good, you know, okay, God, this is your idea and I'm going to be good with this, but um, I might not see it happen today. And you use, um, you talk about um, Zachariah in this. So why is it okay to not despise small beginnings? This and, and Zacharias who writes about it. And it was these, they, they, the Jews wanted to rebuild this temple, but they realized that the, the size and the splendor of the temple was not going to match the size of what King Solomon had built. And so again, it goes back to that comparison piece. It's like, it's not what we thought that it would look like or what it would be. <laughs> and the word from the Lord through Zechariah was like, don't despise small beginnings. Um, and, but just, he is pleased when the work begins. Mm-hmm. And so that encourages me so much because I, I feel like so much of my life does feel very small, but when you, when you kind of take note and kind of chart, if you'll take the time to look back at how God has been working in your life, it's a lot easier to look back. So this reminds me of a story I wrote about in the devotional, um, my daughter or my whole family, we were at the beach, but my daughter and I were, were digging a hole in the sand for fun. I'm not sure why that sounded like fun, but this is what we're doing. And so I'm in the middle, uh, you know, with this little scoop and I'm, you know, just one scoop after another for it felt what felt like hours. And so I look at my daughter from the middle of this, <laughs> this sand pit and she's at the, on the side and she's, I said, Kate, are we making any progress? It does not feel like we're making any progress. And she looks at me and she's, gosh, she was probably five or six at the time. She said, mom, we are making progress. You just can't see it from where you are. And in that moment, I, God just so spoke to my heart. It's like, Rachel, you're making progress. You just don't see it from where you are. If you can only see your life from my perspective keep digging, keep persevering. But, you know, and it too, it reminds me of just of the story of Elisha, you know, when his servant is looking around all around him and there's, it it looks like they're surrounded by this huge army. And then Elijah says, you know, open his eyes so that he can see, and he sees the heavenly army surrounding Mm -hmm. them. And I just love that picture that it's just this, it's like, God, give me the eyes to see my life from your perspective help me to show me the value of 
the little and the small that I'm doing. And and I love, there's so many authors that are writing on this right now. And I'm thinking of like Jennifer Dukes Lee who wrote Growing Slow Mm -hmm. and Mary Marantz just released, um, she released, it's called uh, Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots. And I, I sometimes think that if we did grow or really quickly, that we would be a lot weaker. That, that God is in some ways letting us grow a lot slower than we'd like. Because again, back to your first question, he's preparing us. And I think that we're going to be a lot stronger to be able to handle what he gives us uh, later down on the road, rather than if we would have just like in an instant accomplished what we thought we wanted to accomplish. Absolutely. And like you said, looking back and like I say, looking back, um, and seeing where God was, it's, it gives us the courage and the faith to keep going. Yeah. And we just need to remember that. And so, you know, I just really appreciate you taking the time to come on with me today and, um, and I'm share with us this beautiful devotion, you know, on the back, it says in a culture where bigger seems better, it's just easy for us to wonder if our quick prayer between errands or the short note that we text our friends means anything in God's kingdom. Um, As we close, what words of encouragement can you give us um, to, to, you know, to persevere and remind us that these things do matter as we partner with God? Well, when I look at my own life and the things that have made the biggest difference, it usually is something small. You know, the text that a friend sends me when I need it most or the letter I receive in the mail or the kind word or the little bit of encouragement or the the hand that's, you know, offered to hold mine or the hug that's given or the small gift. Um, it's usually those small things that have made the biggest difference or somebody taking the time to just sit with me and be present with me. And so if those things matter so much to me, uh, I believe that they matter to to most people. And I, I just think about, and I actually found in Exodus that even God works little by little, that he, he can do anything in an instant, but he, he doesn't. You know, I think about even when he created the world, he created it in six days when he could have created it in a moment. He didn't. He chose to do little by little. And so if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. And so I, I, I believe little by little, he's forming us into who he wants us to be um, until we make it to those, those streets of gold one day with him. I love it. And so um, what special resources do you have or have you created to help the readers who can then con- take this concept further? So I, I created a, a guided journal. So if you want to read along with the um, devotional and then be able to journal and, and really kind of put some more thought into um, each each day. And um, so there's a guided journal and there's also a conversation guide that you can get together with a small group because we as we talked about, small groups can make a big difference. And so um Uh, that is another resource that I've created. And then there's also a podcast, the love offering podcast episode Mm -hmm. that goes along each week with um, each theme of the devotion that you can continue and, and try to put some of these practices, these little tasks into play. Cause it's not really about doing more like we talked about, but it's just trusting in the value that you're already doing that it, that it matters and that God's going to take it a long way. And is that on your website or is that a special link? So this is all on the website at rachelkadams.com slash free. 
Sauce free. Thank you so much for joining me. It was such a treat to get to see you again. Well, it's such a treat to see you again. And I am thankful for this opportunity. I know you could ask so many women to be on this platform and the fact that you um, chose to host me, uh, it truly means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. And be sure to keep your heads warm with that toboggan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to mail you a toboggan. (gasps) Thank you. I love it. All right. Take care. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my time with Rachel as we talked about her devotional, The Little Goes a Long Way. I loved how she pointed out that Jesus values the little things like hairs on our heads, birds in the air, and flowers in the field. He even served in little ways like washing our feet, holding children, cooking fish. And he rewards little deeds like the woman washing his feet with her hair, the leper who said thank you, and the woman by the well who gave him something to drink. I think it's us that considers bigger to be better because we're the ones that are looking for more. Ways to connect with Rachel and receive that free download will be links in the show note. Imagine shifting your focus off of the hard work of trying to prove yourself to the joyful life of knowing your worth. When you join my email list, you will get the free mini guide. One simple way to know you matter today. It is my prayer that you'll be reminded daily of all the ways you matter more than you know. So head on over to sherryfletcher.com. Click join Sherry at the top of the screen. Already a subscriber? Enter your info anyway to get the new mini guide and you will not get multiple emails. Did you know that you can help others start a spiritual game plan for their lives? When you leave a review and share this podcast, it helps me reach others. I do love hearing from you and I want to know how I can serve you in the best possible way. So be sure to subscribe to the emails and leave reviews. Thank you for tuning in to your spiritual game plan, the podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday.